Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast where we go through the many wild different categories of the MTV Movie Awards year by year and try to figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. And we're here to talk today about Best Kiss 1994, the year of a lot of firsts, including the very first interspecies kiss. How are you today, Ben? I'm doing really well. Um, yeah, no, this lineup was, I was really surprised with how much I, I enjoyed, like, most of the movie. Um, and it definitely, yeah, a year for, for many firsts. Um, and uh, and um, not the first, but definitely um, a started, uh, sort of beginning of a pattern where this, these kiss lists will include the sequel to a lot of movies. But like not the first movie. I think the uh, starting all the way back in the first one with Naked Gun two. Then we had Lisa Weapon three, and now we have Wayne's World two. And um, going through the list, that is like a a common thing that will show up that it'll have the sequel to a movie, but never the original movie itself. Yeah, it's definitely like it. It doesn't always hap- happen. Next year, next year we'll talk about Before Sunrise, which is the start of a trilogy kind of but definitely when it comes to these big studio films it does seem that you're more likely to get ace ventura 2 nominated than ace ventura 1 exactly and like the amazing spider-man 2 as well oh oh yeah two spider-man movies get nominated and yeah one of them's the one you'd expect and the other one is the one you would not (laughs) (laughs) all right um yeah, do uh, do you want to list off the the nominees and winner of this uh, of this year? Yeah, I'll I'll set the scene like the MTV Movie Awards in nineteen ninety four aired on Saturday, June fourth, our first ceremony that actually happened on a weekend. <laughs> and then, were you born by nineteen ninety four, or are we still a couple uh, years off from that? Not yet. I was still just a twinkle in my father's eye. Oh. Uh, yeah, all right, so still pre-Ben, but exactly. at this point, I'm you can, always, you can split up MTV Kiss Awards into pre- and post-Ben uh, era. Yeah, so... The, they were, the awards were hosted by Will Smith, assumedly in his Fresh Prince Prime. Best movie that year was Menace to Society, a film I've never heard of, but... <laughs> Seems kind of similar to Boys and the Hood in terms of like themes and kind of title a bit, but it beat out movies like Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. So, you know, good for it. Maybe it's worth seeing. Uh, maybe it's worth it. I know what MTV. I'll I'll give it a chance. Yeah. And meanwhile, in the world of kissing, once again, Best Kiss nominees got nominated for Best Picture. We're still, I think, a couple years from that happening. But what we did wind up with was the best kiss nominees are Patricia Arquette and Christian Slater, True Romance, Kim Bassinger and Dana Carvey, Wayne's World 2, Jason James Richter and Willie, Free Willie, <laughs> Monona Ryder and Ethan Hawke, Reality Bites. And your winners are Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson, Indecent Proposal. Yeah, Woody Harrelson finally finally bringing back a uh, golden kiss. Yeah, making it up for 
last year. So I guess, yeah, let's start with Indecent Proposal with the big question. Ben, if Robert Redford offered you a million dollars to sleep with him, would you do it? Absolutely. Um, like, because in, inflation and time would assu- would make me assume that a million dollars would be worth like more back then, but like a million dollars is like an infathomable amount of money, like a million percent, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, without a doubt, I don't know if I'd fall in love with it. It's definitely an interesting situation where it seems like a given. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, this Indecent Proposal was super, like, engaging. Like, I, I that is something that, like, I, I value in, like, a lot of movies that, like, at no point did I feel like it, it really, like, dragged. I was always, like, very excited to see what would happen next. And, like, the premise itself is, like, super interesting and, like, oh, it's, it's super, like, nerve-wracking. There's always, like, a sense of, like, tension between the two main characters. Yeah. It's definitely... I'll say it's a film that I didn't enjoy quite as much just because by the end of this, I'm like, oh man, Demi Moore shouldn't be with either of these guys. Like, she's too good for both of them. Just Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But but it's certainly like an engaging film. Um, Yeah. I'll say the first thing I want to bring up because I found it interesting is I learned Indecent Proposal is based on a book. And in the book version of this, the Woody Harrelson character is Jewish. The Robert Redford businessman is Arabic. And it's a lot about the, like, Israeli-Palestine kind of conflict, that sort of Middle Eastern thing, and the premise of... Yeah, and the premise of Indecent Proposal is, I guess, just one part of... Of a whole whole geopolitical book. (laughs) Yeah. Probably made a smarter choice to just... um, yeah, just kind of focus on the focus it down. The intriguing, uh, the intriguing love story. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, actually, um, no, I'm not sure. I want to call whitewashing the smarter choice, but oh, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they focused on a specific element of the book, uh, probably the more mar- most marketable element. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you seem to be a pretty a pretty good at knowing. Um, so the, I assume the kiss in question was probably. Like when he like when she just comes back from the boat, right? Uh yeah. Is that when he smears the lipstick? He smears the lipstick. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. kiss. I'm assuming that. Yeah, no, that was a very 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 good kiss. I I would I can totally see, um, that being like big kind of impactful moment because I know they kissed her in the beginning, um, and I'm pretty sure near the end as well. Um, yeah, no, um. No, I, I had a I had a pretty good time watching this movie. Um, yeah, just sort of seeing like the um, like sort of the like this like the tension between them like building up all throughout the movie, or like during like the first little bit, um, and just like oh that like that horrible feeling you get in their gut your gut when like they're kind of like considering it and you just know things aren't going to go well. Yeah, uh, yeah. To give the quick summary first it's yeah woody harrelson and demi moore are they're married high school sweethearts they live in california they're trying to get their dream home but then there's like a recession and they've invested all their money in yeah this yeah these pro projects and they suddenly need fifty thousand dollars or their land's going to be repossessed so they travel to las vegas 
And, and Woody Harrelson in another role where he can't stop gambling. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting that like he's in those positions, and Woody Harrelson is yeah. He's like a lawyer, right? Like he's trying to be an architect, but um, his profession is lawyer, or is, is it just his... is, I think his friend is a lawyer. I don't know if he is he a lawyer himself. I don't think so. I think he was just um, I'm not sure if he had any kind of job. I, I think because partway through the movie, he like gets a job like at a really like low playing like a sort of architect place. I don't I know if he had a was his coworker. Maybe I probably or, had that. Uh, but... Maybe it was his coworker. I really yeah. like the lawyer character. The lawyer character cracked me up. I really liked him. Yeah, Oliver Platt, that has his, yeah. like, lawyer friend who advises them, because they go to the cas- casino, and initially they have a lot of luck, but then they lose stuff at roulette. But mm-hmm. it just so happens that Demi Moore catches the eye of the billionaire casino owner, John Gage, who basically, yeah, well, in- invites him for good luck, and she makes a sort of winning role. Oh yeah, this is where I'd suggest, you know, if they wanted to get really... Now, weird if it maybe it's not a winning thing, but you could also give a bit best kiss nominee to Demi Moore and the dice that she kisses. For the... <laughs> oh yeah, that would have that would have been a a bold choice, I would say. Yeah, but in the end, she wins. She makes a winning roll on a million dollar bet, and he as a, this billionaire essentially pays for their stay as a thank you, and just gives them a dress that he sort of look at and. Basically, they hang out, and then he offers her a million dollars. Like, well, he offers a couple, just a million dollars to spend a night with her. And initially, they both refuse, but you know, it becomes a thing where they both think about it and they decide, yeah, they prepare a contract for it and ultimately decide to go ahead. But then at the last second, Woody Harrelson changes his mind, but it's too late. Yeah, the scene where he's sort of running and screaming after a helicopter that's leaving. Yeah, um, and then yeah, after so they eventually end up going through it. She she kind of comes home, uh, and like she's like clearly kind of like upset. Um, and then that's where like the the titular kiss happens, um, where they're sort of embraced and they they sort of make an agreement to sort of not talk about it. Um, but it eventually just gets to be like too much for Woody Harrelson. There's just too much like. Um, suspicion like arising and I mean, he, he finds like a, a matchbox with like the logo of like the um the rich guy's company on it in her purse and he it just there's just like so much um I guess distrust there um that it starts like like really force a wedge between them. Yeah. There's also a thing where they find their property that they were hoping to build this house this house on was foreclosed and resold. And it turns out the billionaire bought it. Like he just bought the property. He's like, oh, it was a good deal. You just got me on onto it. You know, that's just how this stuff works. Sorry you lost. And mm-hmm. so that becomes a fervor source of tension because he finds out that she's like seeing him again, even though she's just trying to get their land back. And yeah, the billionaire sorry, the billionaire uh Robert Redford character, like he's he's like keeps on showing up where she is like she's like making very little effort to see him but all Woody Harrelson's character sees is just like she's like hanging out with him and I think this all culminates in a scene where like Woody Harrelson like shatters like a glass of uh, wine like against throws it like really hard against the fridge I think that's like kind of like where they like 
um, they stop. They sort of stop seeing each other, and then Demi Moore's character just like just starts hanging out with uh, Robert Redford's character, and they they start like going places together. Yeah, and it's kind of a thing where I trying to be like as sympathetic as possible to the Woody Harrelson character in this, and well, it's easy to look at this and go, "Oh, come on, dude, get over it." And I suppose that's still come on, dude, get over it. But, like, at the same time, if I was in that situation, who knows, maybe I'd be consumed by, like, jealousy. Just... Yeah, it's one, of, it's one of those things where I, I, I feel kind of the same way, where I feel like, hypothetically, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd be, like, totally fine with this. But then maybe in, in the actual reality of it, it would be a lot more, um, a lot more earth-shattering than it, than it, uh, than it seemed to be. It, um, I guess, uh, it's, like, mild spoilers for, like, one of the, like, I think Black Mirror Season 1, Episode 2. Because uh, it reminded me a lot of that, that, you know, that episode with the, um, with like the thing in their eye and they can like watch all of like their recorded life sort of. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like, and yeah, just like being like sort of so consumed by like jealousy and like um, anxiety that like, that it just drives you insane. Um, but uh, I guess, I guess kind of luckily, I probably, I would have, I think I would have preferred if this movie ended a little differently. But um, I think luckily in the end, um, uh, Robert Redford's character sort of confesses um, that he sort of has like a million dollar club, and I think there's been like dozens of women that he's offered like a million dollars to to have the night with, and that um, Demi Moore's character was like, the best of them, but like this clearly like doesn't sit well with her, and they end up they end up just parting ways. Um, and uh, I mean, Demi I'm Moore... pretty sure Robert Redford was lying. Oh, really? About yeah, because. Well, it goes to a thing where, oh yeah, after they divorce, like Woody Harrelson's guy like spirals like rock bottom. He has a public confrontation with them. It's he just does not look well, but he eventually pulls his life back together. And oh yeah, yeah he's allowed job. to keep the money, but like yeah. he ultimately spends, just donates it all. Spends it all on a hippo. I yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, um. But yeah, but it's a, definitely a thing where like he, you know, he makes his piece and he signs the papers, and Robert Robert Redford, like at least how I interpreted it, especially because when he initially brings up the club, his butler is like, "Huh?" Just and he's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Oh, I okay. I I I didn't read it that way, but that is one way. I guess that is probably the way they intended. I guess I didn't read it that way. Yeah, um, that's also the way Wikipedia lays it out. But oh, like, whoops. All right. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. No. I, I think it's funny that you just went and you're like, oh, so this I just, is just... I just, I, I put my trust in Robert Redford, but I, I guess I shouldn't. Um, yeah, yeah no. and then I guess yeah, Robert Redford's, like, final line in the movie is that, um, like, she will never look at me the way that he, lo- the way that she looks at him. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Demi Moore and Woody Harrison's character um, meet up on, like, the dock, I think, that they, that Woody Harrison proposed to her on um, way back when. And the movie kind of just ends with them, with them like sharing like sweet, sweet words with each other. Yeah, there's no kiss, but like I think like it works. I mean, well enough that like they just join hands and it's nice. Yeah, like yeah, early on in the movie, I think like Demi Moore's character will, like say like like Do you know I love you? And then Woody else will be like, Well, I don't, I don't know. And then she she'll say like I do, and then like they kind of reincorporated that line at the end here. Yeah, and it also works because it pays off. There's like a framing device in the movie where they're both kind of narrating, and you know, you have a sense that they both sort of like split up at a certain point, but you don't necessarily realize they're going to wind up back together. Hmm. 
But, but yeah, you know, I I really enjoyed that movie. Um, you know, that's kind of all I had to say about it. Um, yeah. Uh, one last last thing I want to mention is there's a point when she makes a deal, like, and you know, there's like a number of like steamy scenes in this this movie, but yeah, there you are, don't, especially near the beginning. Yeah, you don't really see much of what actually happens on the deal, but there's a point where she's on the boat, and he's like, "Well, I'll flip a coin, and if you like, get this, then nothing has to happen." But she flips, and it lands wrong. But then at the end, he he gives her the coin when they're parting ways, and it turns out it was just double sided the entire time. <laughs> just. Oh, I didn't actually pick up on that. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah, um, oh, then a, a couple other things. There's another little best kiss connection, and then I found out the director was initially unsure about casting Woody Harrelson in the role, but then he saw White Man Can't Jump, and he changed his mind. He knew that they needed some uh, MTV Movie Awards best kiss bait. Yeah. Yeah. He saw everyone's he saw. favorite white fool, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> exactly. He knew he knew that if given if given a chance, he'd be able to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Demi Moore also got nominated for best female performance and most desirable female, and both times lost out to Janet Jackson for Poetic Justice, uh-huh. another film that could have been a best kiss nom but wasn't. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the last thing because it's. I keep trying to bring this up, but there's a video I found that is essentially a compilation of a lot of the acceptance speeches for Best Kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Where they show like a clip of like it. Oh, it also just the acceptance speech as well. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't show the clips, but it does oh, show yes. the acceptance speeches. And eventually these acceptance speeches, the winners kind of will recreate their kiss if they're both present. Oh, yeah. But, but the first year is just sort of Anna Chomsky's on her own. She's like, uh, well, it's cool that my first kiss won an award. And <laughs> the second year, Christian Slater and Marissa Tomei are like, we'd kiss again, but our like significant others are in the audience. And they're like, hi, honey. <laughs> like, just. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then this year, Woody Harrelson and Debbie Moore did not attend the ceremony, but they sent in videos. And Woody Harrelson has one where he's like, uh, Thank you for, you know, giving me the best kiss. You know, it was a worthy field of candidates. And he just lists, lists them all off. He's like, yeah, you know, Jason James Richter and Willie. And then Demi Moore's, like, video plays. And she's like, well, uh, I guess we know why we won best kiss since Woody is so good at kissing ass. <laughs> oh. yeah, that's all I had to say about this one. No, that's uh, cool. Yeah, let's move on to True Romance with Christian oh. Slater and Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I could. I wonder if I can even give a synopsis about this movie. So much happened. Um, I guess, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sort of starts out with Christian Slater's character. Um, he's just sort of, like, starts out with him in a bar, and then he goes to, like, a movie, um, and then this girl sort of approaches him and, like, is, like, really flirtatious with him. Uh, and then they spend the night together. Um, this is this woman is uh, uh, it was Patricia Arquette, right? Yeah, yeah, Al- yeah, yeah, Alabama. Yeah, it turns out that she is um, a actually a lady of the night hired by Christian Slater's boss to just like give him a good time. Um, but they end up uh, falling in love, um, and Christian Slater uh, 
it ends up like going to go kill her previous pimp. Um, and he does. He's successful. Uh, and then they need to sort of skip town. Um, and uh, the, this part I actually forget, so maybe you could kind of help me fill in the gaps here. At some point, they get like a briefcase of cocaine? Yeah, they wind up with, I believe it's after like he yeah, kills the pimp played by previous Best Kiss nominee Gary Oldman. Uh-huh. Just, wow. Uh, yeah, in a truly insane performance. Yeah, but... oh my god, I don't know. I can't believe one year he's Dracula, the next year he's a he's a he's a white guy with dreads. Yeah, it's it's definitely true romance is a film that like it's it's um I, I wanna like I feel like the best way to describe it, um like I don't know, this might be like uh, an unpopular opinion, but like I don't think Ah, I really don't think that Quentin Tarantino is very good at like writing. I think a lot of his movies are kind of saved by that like really like, over the top and exaggerated. Um, because he did write this movie. Um, yeah, this is a Quentin Tarantino script, and yeah, but this is like one of the first two scripts he writes. So it's before he really has the way to get there, and it's actually one of two Tarantino scripts, or, or maybe there's more. I'm just forgetting. But there's but two Tarantino scripts that get best kiss noms that he doesn't actually direct. Oh wow, that's weird. And this yeah. one he still likes, the other one he does not. But yeah, this one was directed by actually one of my favorite directors, Tony Scott. Oh nice. Yeah, director yeah, of such no. films as Top Gun, uh yeah, Crimson Tide and Deja Vu. Just Oh nice. Yeah. Um I kinda lost my train of thought there. But yeah, no, go on. Oh yeah. Oh, oh no. You were you were talking about you don't think Tarantino's that good a writer? On the- yeah, it's just like, I feel like um I don't know why, but this movie kind of just felt like it just felt like there was like a weird clash where like characters would say things and it would just sound like super awkward. Um, and maybe that's just because like a clash between like how he directs movies and how he writes movies. Um, just maybe there's just like I'm just trying to think of like an example because I feel like there are like things said in like other movies. Um, but because of like maybe like the framing or like the the setting or like the music, it's sort of you don't really notice it. But in this this movie, like there's just so many lines of um of dialogue that just sounds so like weird and clunky and just a way that I couldn't really get into. Oh yeah, like I love this. I love this film. Like it's definitely great. But yeah, Tony Scott definitely a different kind of director from Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, and yeah, it kind of it clashed a little bit. Um. Yeah. I think yeah. like one of the biggest examples is this film was originally written to be more like a film where it was yeah. not in chronological order. And Quentin Tarantino had written it like this, and I guess Tony Scott had tried it, and then he's like, no, yeah, no, that's not how I make movies. We're doing this just like start to finish. And Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's like a Tarantino yeah. thing where he talks about that, I guess, he had tried it and then just went really avant-garde with it. So he's like, yeah, there's some really weird cut of this out there somewhere that just... <laughs> I'll do it goes nuts with out of order and the other big thing and as you kind of set up they wind up with all this cocaine it's because he took what he thought was her bag with like her belonging and it's just a massive amount of cocaine yeah yeah not not dissimilar to the um the initial incident in dumb and dumber <laughs> yeah basically a wrong briefcase mix up <laughs> so they escape to los angeles uh because the cocaine also belongs to this 
big mobster christopher walken yeah oh my gosh yeah and then i think the, the rest of the movie is just kind of a sting operation with like a lot of moving parts yeah they're trying to sell the cocaine so they can get money to escape and have a life together christopher walken's trying to get like the cocaine back the police are trying to like take down this film producer who's been dealing drugs it's one of the bodyguards is the dad from good luck charlie oh really <laughs> yeah the guy with the the kind of bigger guy with like the ponytail oh i did not know that um, yeah the guy who's like you guys like some you don't know about boss i hate cops yeah. since later is kind of being guided along by an apparition of elvis yeah <laughs> yeah that's like i feel like this movie just would have um i feel like it would have benefited from like like leaning into a bit of its like weirdness because I feel like this ends a little bit somewhere in the middle where like it's like kind of silly and like weird but like it doesn't lean into it quite as much as I wish it did. I'll say this is certainly a film that played better for me a bit on re yeah rewatch the yeah, yeah, maybe that would be the case. Yeah. Um yeah uh yeah I guess it's like yeah two more things I guess to touch on is that like oh my gosh like I don't know about you but like the one scene where, like, the character says the N-word, like, a million times was, like, super weird. Yeah, that's where I'm like, oh, Quentin Tarantino wrote this script. Exactly. I think I think that at that point in the movie, I kind of, like, paused it and was like, okay, who wrote this movie? Like, I had to, like, it was so strange and out of place. Like, it, it felt like it was from a totally different movie. Yeah, there's um, a point where Christian Slater's father, who's, like, a former cop and a security guard, is trying to cover for him, and... Christopher Walken has, like, kind of captured him and is interrogating him. And at a certain point, he decides, I'm not going to get out of here. I'm just going to take it down. So then he just starts giving a very loaded, very racist speech. Yeah, about how, um, how what's, like, the name of, like, the, it's, like, a name of, um... Fillion. Just... Yeah, Fillion, about how, like, about how, like, their, um, their descendants rooted I, I think an african-american and just it's just completely racist and it's just so it's so weird yeah <laughs> it's, it's a scene that like because you think there's supposed to be some like comic aspect to it but yeah definitely something that like put me off on on at my first watch the second yeah. time i knew it was coming so i'm like okay it's easier for me to just like separate it from the film yeah, it's weird like i don't it's just yeah. it just doesn't what else yeah uh, oh, Brad it is around Oh, really? Where where was he? Oh, he's the guy's roommate. Like, when they go to Los Angeles, they have, like, his friend, and he has, like, this yeah, stoner roommate like... that's a young Brad Pitt. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, the, the second thing. The, the one piece of music in this movie that, like, sounds like the tropical level in a video game. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, I You're So Cool. Composed by, composed <laughs> by Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. That's such a weird choice. I don't know what to every time it comes on, I always like I feel like I'm like I feel like an ad popped up on like a separate window. Yeah. Uh, it sounds so strange. Yeah. From the yeah, guy no, who did like the inception score and just made everything like boom boom like scores. Yeah, just, this, yeah, this like little a, xylophone piece. Yeah, just, it sounds like a like a like a level in like Banjo kazooie or something. It was so it was so strange. And like the I want to say, like, the first or second time they play it, they're, like, the two main characters are, like, screaming at each other. <laughs> what a strange choice. I, I, yeah, that was sort of my, the last thing I had to say about um, True Romance. I guess the, the 
kiss, I'm assuming, is one of like the first kisses. Um, yeah, it's a, it's either that first kiss on like the kind of first night, which is very steamy, or yeah. it's but also, or it could be the also steamy one where he's making the phone call about going to Los Angeles. Yeah, and yeah. she's just making out with him in like the phone booth. The phone booth yeah. Yeah, yeah, for playlist purposes, yeah. I have the meeting kiss. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, it was... That's eh, an alright kiss. Like, this movie is, like... I would say it's not really about, like, the love story. That one's sort of, like, a side thing to, like, this whole, like, big, like, big, like, drug, like, uh, deal sort of thing. Sort of co- half-cop sting. Interesting, because I would say the drug thing kind of plays into the love story. It is... It's called true hmm. romance, after all, and yeah, yeah. I, I feel like yeah, yeah. I feel like um, a second viewing would probably definitely help me on this one. I might have to end up watching it again just to try and get some of that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing from like this director, but an interesting detail is true romance. The original ending of it, because at the end there is a big shootout where yeah. a lot of characters die, and uh, Clarence Christian Slater's character gets shot. And in Tarantino's original script, he dies, and Patricia Arquette just takes the money and kind of flees to, like, start a new life. And then I believe there's a reference in, like, Reservoir Dogs to where she's working for kind of one of the characters from that film. Oh, wow. Let's see. Yeah. But Tony Scott, the director, another thing of, like, it shows that, yeah, both Tarantino, like, kind of respecting the guy and also not having like the poll where he's like, no, you're not changing that yeah. and ending or whatever. Cause I guess, yeah, Tony Scott just fell for these characters so much. And uh, <laughs> uh, I think he fell for it too, that he's like, I can't kill him. I want him to get away. So, <laughs> yeah. so he basically, yeah. so he's like, so I think he shot it the original way and there's footage of that one, but he's like, Quentin, he's like, this just isn't the movie I'm making. They got to both live. And, <laughs> he just he wanted to see these characters happy. Yeah, which I think is really sweet. <laughs> I think that's too, yeah. And definitely like gets in and in the end, yeah, they get to Mexico and they have a son who is played by Patricia Arquette's actual son, I learned. Oh wow. And, and yeah, she names him Elvis because that's like what Christian Slater yeah, likes. And yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting film. Like yeah. Christian Slater is like, I would say I, I mean, I definitely like this more than Untamed Heart, but definitely Christian Slater getting to play a more a different kind of character, more of a typical yeah. Christian Slater oddball. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like this. I liked um, yeah, I like certain aspects of the movie. I definitely need to give it a second watch though. Yeah. Now, kind of knowing what what's kind of going in. Yeah, and being able to say, oh yeah, that is Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, exactly. That'll definitely help. Future yeah. Best Kiss nominee for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, But yeah, we can move on to Wayne's World 2. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been so long since I've seen Wayne's World 2. Do we, do we need to do a plot synopsis of this one? I'm trying to remember. I don't, yeah, that's the um, thing, because the kiss of it is not really connected to much of what's going not, on. It's not really, more of a but, subplot. Like, Wayne's World but, 2 is about them trying to start a festival, and then the kiss doesn't even involve Wayne. It's like Dana Carvey's scarf. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Dan- Dana Carvey and uh, Kim Basinger, and just this sort of just like kind of wacky like goofball scene with just like this mysterious woman he met at the laundromat, 
Yeah, I, as far as like the kiss scene goes, yeah, it's honestly, I'm I'm not gonna lie, it was like really funny. I don't know, like this scene in particular, I feel like all the jokes kind of landed with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like, a good comedy kiss. It's, yeah, it's a it's, very good comedy kiss. Yeah. Just kind of like the, the like the like the oh, take me, and he's like he's like uh like where like I don't have a car, and you're gonna need a jacket. It's Kim Bassinger playing, I think, like a send up of her. Typical things. The character's name is Honey Horny. <laughs> yeah, very, very like like Austin Powers yeah. kind of joke. Yeah, he's trying to get her to kill her ex husband, or she's trying to get <laughs> him to kill her ex husband. Yeah, no, other way around. Garf doesn't want to kill anyone. <laughs> but there's yeah. a point where the YouTube clip calls it like the seduction, where she goes and she kisses him and he levitates off the ground, and it's really <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, and then just. The scene right after where he's wearing like the like the really fancy robe and the pipe, I don't know, that just killed me. I feel like this whole scene was like a pretty like like um I feel like Wayne's World too. Like I feel like overall I had a very, very good time watching it. There's some jokes that like don't super land really well, but I feel like like on the most part, it was like pretty good. Um Yeah, Wayne's World too, the second film that has Christopher Walken in like a role. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it did. He also plays like the a very similar kind of, uh, kind of similar like villain, just a little less like sinister, I guess. But like, it's a very like tongue in cheek movie. They are yeah. very like fourth wall breaking. It's just a lot yeah. of it's a lot of bits. Like it honestly, like other than just the character they just read as the weird, weird naked in yeah Indian. Like yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit it's of, better um, than I would have thought. Like, yeah, exactly. There, there was yeah, there's like a bit of um. Like I guess like racially insensitive um, jokes, but like it's, it's the weird thing is that I guess like they're never really at like the expense of that. It's mostly just like here he's like a funny kind of like character with his with his bum out, I guess. Um, yeah, and the and the section that I got got thing because it's something where Wayne, like the Michael Meyer character, is you know, dating this girl like Cassandra Wong, and I forgot if this joke is. I think the joke that like he somehow knows how to speak Mandarin is in like the original Wayne's World. Yeah. Not this thing where like her father is there, and it's this thing where he just starts speaking and like they start speaking. Ma- um, like du- they start. Sp- uh, yeah, uh, I think at some point they start speaking like dubbed instead of yeah. subbed. Yeah, it initially starts with they're just speaking in Mandarin to each other, and then it turns into kind of like an old kung fu movie where they're dubbed, which could <laughs> almost be bad, except Mike Myers' voice is also dubbed. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it works as, like, okay, it's not just, like, a racist joke. It's just... Yeah, yeah some... none, of, none of the jokes, like, felt, like, super mean-spirited in any way. It was, it was a, a, a much better than the scene in True Mo- Romance, I would say. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, True Romance, it's a movie I love, but definitely has, like, a nasty edge to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really only that one scene, too. But, like, you know, Wayne's World 2, like, I, I, I was shocked by, like, how much I, like, absolutely adored by this movie. Like, every... <laughs> like every character that like there's like there's so many jokes where like a character will just like show up for like two seconds and just say something like insane and it just cracked me up every time yeah um, but yeah the kiss again not much to talk about there it's funny yeah. like yeah, it's, it, I, I think it was a very well executed um comedy kiss yeah comedy uh, kisses at mtv movie awards they're definitely like hit or miss um next year a comedy kiss wins for dumb and dumber and Kind of a similar-ish setup, except the Dumb and Dumber one is explicitly a fantasy sequence, and 
mm-hmm. this one like is like really happening but but yeah it's this is a good comedy kiss because it's funny it's not homophobic it's like yep yeah no it's yeah. just a it's a, it's a classic yeah wayne's world movies like that and like austin powers are like very like slapsticky i always really enjoyed that about them yeah and it's nice saying that kind of fil- film get nominations. And... Yep. Yeah. And in terms of, like, I guess, like a plot synopsis, like, like, you could pretty much sum it up in that they just want to put on, like, a, a Woodstock esque, like, concert and things just keep going wrong until everything goes right. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's got, like, a lot of different things. Oh, the one bit of thing I did dig up on the kiss is Dana Carvey felt very bad for Kim Bassinger. Because he's like, kissing Garf is like kissing like a moving truck that's just nervous and weaving back and forth. And like, and I guess Garf's hair got in her mouth a fair bit. Like, just. I don't know. Good movie. Good movie, yeah. good kiss. And yeah. those two didn't have much to do with each other, but. Yeah, and I next, guess, well. Onto the, the titular first. The titular what? Just like, uh, the titular first. The first um, interspecies. Uh, kiss and all yes. of the all of the MTV Best Kiss Awards. Yeah, one of the things I think when I was like talking to you, we ought to do a podcast about this stuff. Is just looking over and seeing Free Willy, and initially like, yeah, yeah, and then I'm like, wait, no, who got nominated for Free Willy? And <laughs> <laughs> it's Jason James Richter, the youngest Best Kiss nominee we have. Being just months younger than or younger than Anna Chomsky and Macaulay Culkin, and the whale is a name Willie. It's Keiko the whale, I believe is its proper name, but it is yeah. credited in the nomination as Willie or Free Willie. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'd never seen Free Willie. Um, it's yeah, it's a pretty good like um, it's a very good like kid animal movie. It sort of follows all the same sort of beats of that, where it's like yeah. troubled kid, um, just kind of doesn't really get along with anybody, missing parents, um, but then he like finds an animal that he really clicks with. It's it's weird how this is a very this movie almost like verbatim follows one of my favorite animal movies, um, MPV, Most Valuable Primate. Um, really? Yeah, almost to a like these i feel like kid animal movies always have like a kid and his like parents are missing i think even uh mpv2 most vertical primate where he skateboards even had like him like having like a cop friend who like was like oh you gotta find my mom mvp mv they're both movies are called mvp but one is most valuable primate and one is most Most vertical vertical primate. primate (laughs) <laughs> and the third one abandons that convention like a coward for MXP. Yeah, exactly. Wait, yeah, so no. does the first MVP end with the monkey jumping over like a wall? Like, just kind of. Well, not. It ends with like him like returning to like his family at like the the wildlife preserve and like hugging them and stuff. So it's like a very similar touching scene. And then he just keeps breaking out to play more sports. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, like the second movie, I was like when I when I went into watching Most Valuable and Most Vertical Primate, I was expecting these to be like two totally separate movies that just like were just like made could have been made in like totally different like completely different people. But like the second movie had like a weirdly large amount of connective tissue to like the first, where like it's like 
the same monkey and like it's where he left off like he's playing hockey still <laughs> and then he just gets he just gets uh roped into also skateboarding because he meets uh he meets a kid yeah i actually think that the free willy films follow a similar trajectory where there's multiple sequels and for at least like two of them it's still jason james richter as he's growing up and it's like him working with willy but willy's more in the wild yeah oh it's super cool free free willy What's there to say? Um, this is a Best Kiss nomination where, when trying to find a clip for it, I found it was in the trailer, which essentially tells you the entire plot of Free Willy, save for the part where he's a trouble kid trying to bond with like his foster parents. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the the trailer you say has like it's essentially just like the movie, but in like like a couple minutes. It's him. Basically, yeah, it's this kid who he's troubled. He was abandoned by his mother. He's caught by the police for vandalizing this, yeah, sort of theme park aquarium place. And on, but on the night he gets arrested, he encounters this whale. Oh yeah, the movie begins with this kind of like upsetting sequence where whalers like capture Free Willy. Oh yeah, and send him yeah. to a thing, and his family is unable to help him. They kind of parallel a lot between the kid and Free Willy, where they're both sort of misunderstood. And surely Free Willy has like this tr- this nice trainer who is voice or played by Lori Petty, who was in A League of Their Own. Just oh, yeah, oh. she was like she was like the sister who wins in A League of oh, Their yeah. Own. Wow, yeah, super neat. Yeah, he yeah he has like a mentor who is yeah. Willie's keeper, like Randolph, who sort of takes them under his wing, and he—he's a—he's yeah, kind of a indigenous actor, I believe. Yeah. At least I hope he is, because the character is presented that way. Yeah, yeah, it's um, just, yeah that's what he's yeah. presenting as. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Wikipedia says he is of Mohawk descent. Oh, can, yeah, Canadian actor actually. Yeah, oh, I, I really, liked, I really liked his character. He—he <laughs> he was so willing to. <laughs> to free the free the whale, just I don't like this job anyway. Yeah, really it, it goes to the thing where like he bonds with Willie, and the kiss like in question is just like a sweet little kiss on the forehead. Like oh, maybe yeah. yeah, maybe MTV played the clip. Like you could argue that when Willie's jumping and sort of splashing him at the end, that could be seen as like a whale kiss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know, but, um, you know, but, I really yeah. I enjoyed this movie. Um, the second movie on this list where a dad character um, sucker punches somebody. The first, the first being my girl. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, how he punches the. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because the Willie thing is like he bonds with this whale, and they like uh, have this really like sweet relationship, and then the owners of the park sees it and decides to plan like a big show. So they like set up a show. But then Willie won't perform because while they're doing the performance, kids go underground and they're banging on like his tank a lot and going, ah. Yeah, yeah. And just Willie's not having it. He's not yeah. in the mood. And Willie smashes like against the tank, which gives the owner the idea to cut his lo- losses because they, deci- they decide to like damage the tank-, tank so that the water will drain up and Willie will die because. He has a very big insurance policy on the whale. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, 
<laughs> Something I wrote down in my notes was just in all caps. They didn't have theft insurance on the whale? <laughs> That's like a line the villains say. Oh yeah, they have life insurance on the whale, but not theft insurance. (laughs) Then the third act of the movie is they is they like free well free Willy basically. They get him, they load him up on a truck and try and have to race him down. And it's it's this big thing. It winds up with the with them driving the truck into the ocean, kind of because it's the only way to get past this blockade. The villains have set up. And then all the characters just sort of running in the water while this big whale, like, who initially is just, they do a thing of, oh, was he out of the water too long? Is it, like, too late? But instead he flies. There's this footage that, it's clearly stock footage from the beginning of the movie of, like, the whale swimming and these people setting up these nets. But Willie's able to go the other way and pull up this big, massive jump. And get back to his family. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's always nice to kind of watch one of these, um, like these, I guess, like classics, these, um, cultural touchstones. Yeah, the nice little inoffensive, like, yeah, like, just something kind of family sp- movie. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of, um, of animal movies. And this is, as an MTV like retrospective on the awards that he did once has said. This is the first interspecies kiss. Um, <laughs> by MTV's standards, it's not the last one to get nominated. <laughs> but that basically depends on how you classify the Beast in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, exactly. Where is that? Where does that line begin or stop? I think we're like a ways off from that, and it's yeah, not much else to say other than it's really funny that they nominated Free Willy for Best Kiss. Just no, that was um, Free Willy. I think we can move on to uh, Reality Bite. The Ethan yeah. Hawk and second uh, nominee for Winona, Winona Ryder. Yeah, and this is a film where, um, oh, yeah, I don't know how you, but it's like, it's a film where I found all the characters very grating and just. Um, yeah, I, I really liked all the characters. I, I really liked this movie. And. I don't I'm trying to think if I can kind of put into words why. I don't really know. I think it's just because, like, I don't know, because I feel like them being like grading, and like I kind of agree with that. Um, but I feel like that's just like it's just so accurately represents like kids that just finished like university. Because uh, like I don't know, I, I I really got into this movie. Um, I feel like I had seen it before. And maybe I've just seen like a very similar movie because it bugged me the whole time because I feel like I I had seen this seen this all before, but it might just be because I've seen movies similar. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, uh, to sort of I guess to give like yeah, sort of a synopsis. There's like sort of a group of four friends, um, who've just like graduated, um, and they're all sort of like getting jobs. And the main character, um, Winona Ryder. Is sort of been like filming them as they've been growing up to like sort of make this documentary. Um, and there's a lot of like romantic, um, weird tension between Ethan Hawke's character and her, um, but they've never sort of like made it official. Um, and then at some point in the movie, uh, Winona Ryder's character uh, meets Ben Stiller uh, character, 
and they sort of like start going out um, to much of Ethan Hawke's character's chagrin. Uh, and then that sort of creates tension. Ethan Hawke starts, um, I guess, like hinting and like kind of like messing with her because like he really likes her. At some point, um, Ben Siller's character is able to get a version, like um, a tapes of Winona Ryder's character's like documentary up to like a, I guess, weirdly enough, like an MTV like um, station. Yeah, Ben Siller is like an MTV esque suit. And yeah, exactly. Um, it makes yeah, it kind of then, funny that MTV nominated this. Yeah, exactly. Movie, considering how critical <laughs> this movie is thinking, of MTV. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke eventually um, do like start seeing each other, kind of. Um, but Ethan Hawke is like very like he's very scared, and he sort of just like leaves the morning right after. Um, he's like very quick to leave, and like this is not like. We're, Winona Ryder's character is just not like a fan of this at all. Um, and then I guess Ethan Hawke leaves to go see his like dying father and go to like his funeral while he like, but nobody knows where he is. Um, he's just gone. And then Winona Ryder's sort of like the ending of the movie is her like, like packing up really fast to like go and um, like go and like find him. But Ethan Hawke has already come back. And they sort of meet each other, and then they they kiss, and the movie ends. It's a film about Generation X, made yeah. kind of while they were kids, just kind of their things. Their two friends both have something going on, like, one of them is, yeah, gay, and there's a nice thing about like, him being concerned about coming out to, like, his parents. Mm-hmm. And the and the other one is just she has a lot of one night stands and short relationships and then has kind of a sort of HIV scare. Yeah, yeah. All those things maybe that I well maybe like more focus on there. Yeah, there is an interesting true. thing where Ben Stiller's character ultimately like lets her documentary turn into a stylized montage. Like yeah, kind of like a like kind of like a like cut up together like reality tv show-esque like uh very MTV. It's like she's trying to make a profound documentary and he turns it into an mtv show and yeah that yeah. that leads to them like breaking up but then in the end he <sighs> makes a tv show that's heavily implied to be about like her and ethan hawk just but fictionalized versions of them yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i i can't really describe it i really enjoyed this it was just, it's just another thing where, like, I was always... I, I, I don't know, I just really liked the characters. Yeah, and maybe it's the thing where, like, I had to give it another watch and, like, just kind of yeah, know what I'm going for. But, like, um, yeah, I just found the characters, like... Even Hawk's character, just, again, the whole... Yeah, the whole reason he doesn't like Ben Stiller is because Ben Stiller is, like, a suit, and he's like, oh, uh-huh. stick it to the man, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah apparently, cool. there's versions of this movie that was more explicitly about them, like yeah, ending with you know them ta- toppling capitalism, if it were. But here, it's just oh, yeah. Ethan Hawke just seems like a guy who, like kind of talks like a big game, and you know, by the end of the movie, has done some emotional growing up, but still, yeah, he has a bit to do. I'll yeah. say this though: the kisses between them were very good. Yeah, no, the kid. I think there are like three. There's like the first kind of like awkward, like kiss when like she's still dating Ben Stiller at the time, um, and it's like very confused feelings. 
and then there's sort of like the the very like passionate like midway through the movie and then uh right before like sort of like the big like the big sort of um kind of wedge between them and then there's like one i think at the very end sort of um culminating in like everything that's happened i'm not sure which one the the best kiss award is referring to yeah luckily i was able to get a montage of like a bunch of them throughout like perfect yeah the the fountain kiss apparently there is some regrets about shooting in front of a fountain because the fountain was very loud and they had to loop dialogue over because you couldn't hear anything. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this film's definitely like interesting, like just watching it's like Ben Stiller's kind of first film. Yeah. And it's interesting because when Winona Ryder, this is when I believe like a year or two before this, this is when like she does Martin Scorsese's Age of Innocence and her career really just kind of skyrockets. Oh, nice. And she kind of chooses to support this project, which has like, you know, is a bit smaller, but as kind of a female screenwriter, Helen Childress, I think is how you say that. So, no, just a a nice thing of someone using their like new influence to, Help, and she convinces even Hawk to take the role because even though she apparently did not know him really well, she felt kind of a connection to him. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, and I think this is another really great example of um, kind of using the MTV uh, Best Kiss Awards as like a as like a good footnote for time because this movie had a car phone in it. Oh yes, <laughs> um, it also had David Spade as well. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, he's, oh, in, yeah. Like, he's like, in a scene where like he's like a like fry cook when um when Ryder's when no when Noah Ryder's character is like looking for work. Yeah, I think a few people from like kind of Ben Stiller's era of SNL sort of appear in it, or like mm. he also brings in people from like the Ben Stiller show that he had at the time. Because oh, yeah. like Janine Garofalo, who you know plays sort of their pal Vicky, was also kind of on SNL around the same time as him and. David Spade again has that similar yeah thing. Mm-hmm. They played and... the Joker Stairs song uh, near the beginning. Uh... Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ethan uh... Hawke will get nominated again next year for Before Sun Sunrise, which I think is kind of a similar kind of film about sort of just being young and having ideals about the world that. I like a lot better. Um, hmm. And Winona Ryder takes a year off and then gets nominated for How to Make an American Quilt, which, at the very least, is a film with maybe one of the more interesting titles of Best Kiss nominee. <laughs> and also, like, a, a really interesting film in itself. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to those, like, all in good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, we can now give our sort of rankings of the movies themselves and then maybe just the. The kisses. I can go first if you want me to. Yeah, go yeah. for it. With the movies, I'll start at the bottom. I think the movie, because these were all really, really good movies. So, like, it's not, the bottom isn't indicative of anything. I'd probably just put Free Willy, because I don't know if I'll probably ever be watching that again. Um, it's just, like, a very, like, nice, like, kids movie. Um, like, I feel like it's something that, like, is just, like, really enjoyable. But I don't know if there's, like, any, nothing, no real reason to watch it again, I would say. Um, yeah. After that, I would put True Romance. Um, I might just need to watch this one again. But just like, I don't know, just something about all of it just super didn't 
click with me. I just wish it, um, because it's like a very, it's a very goofy movie, just like kind of like taken all at once. Like even um, even Christopher Walken's character like looks like very over the top, kind of goofy. But I wish it just kind of leaned in a little more to that, kind of like how um, a lot of like Quentin Tarantino directed movies like do. They tend to lean into like the goofiness a little more. Um, but I guess it's a different director, so I might just need to watch it again and sort of, sort of like have that expectation going in. Um, yeah. And then sort of uh, after that, I would put like Reality Bites. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I it it really bugs me because I feel like I watched it before. I feel like I had to watch it for like a grade school class for some reason. But I'm trying to think of why I would have had to. Because um, like definitely watching it, I definitely had was like this feeling of like I've seen this before. So. Either it's a very derivative movie that I've seen a, I've seen in other places, or I did have to watch it in grade school. Well, it's like a movie, a weird movie to show in grade school. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. But like, oh, just like when I was watching it, I was I was just getting hit with wave after wave of deja vu. That was the only thing. Um, and then, um, I would have to say that my favorite movie out of this would be Indecent Proposal with Wayne's World coming in at a very second. Uh, Wayne's World 2. Um, I was kind of like shocked with like how much of Wayne's World 2 that I still like really enjoyed because I remember I think the last time I watched it I think I remember thinking like ah that was okay but I didn't really like that Um, and watching it again this time I think I enjoyed so many of the jokes I think it was it was super funny Um, an indecent proposal I don't know what it is it just really intrigued me Um, I think it like conceptually was like very interesting I am as much as it like makes my like uh, like stomach churn with anxiety. I do really enjoy these sort of like um, these like distrustful relationship movies because um, it's like a very like it's a very sort of like um, it's a very real kind of like tension that's very easy to relate to, and I think that like elevates the emotions of the movies to a certain to like an elevated degree. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, as for my movie rankings, and it's gonna be yeah. <laughs> Definitely di- different there. Um, at the bottom, oh, yeah. I have Reality Bites. Again, might be a thing of having to watch it again, but it's just yeah. so much of the film. It was just like, ah. Like, yeah, no, like, it also just might just be like a difference in taste. Like, I think it, the this movie just hit like certain chords with me that just like, I don't know. I just really, I really like. Yeah, I don't know. I, ben Stiller has made better films, I think. Um, no, that's definitely true. Yeah. Then after that, I have Free Willy. Uh, yeah, similar reasons in. Then Indecent Proposal, Wayne's World 2, and True Romance at the top for me. And it's definitely, I'm going to like say a plug, people should watch more films of Tony Scott. He made 16 movies before tragically passing, yeah, passing away. His brother is Ridley Scott, who made like Alien and Blade Runner and The Martian and all that stuff that stuff and Tony Scott just made films that I think I enjoy all of them but like Deja Vu Masterpiece um, Unstoppable Cool Train Movie just all these films and Ben I definitely recommend watching a few and then giving True Romance another try once you have a bit more into that style yeah I I think yeah I think if I just kind of um, I just sat down and sort of watched it now kind of knowing what it was what's like kind of going on yeah, though so again, it could also just be like a taste thing, as you said. Yeah, yeah. But then, what about the best kisses, Ben? Yeah. Okay. Um. So at the bottom, um, I think uh, I right now at the bottom I have uh, the true romance kisses. I think this is maybe just like 
kind of because the movie didn't super vibe with me and because like the kiss scenes like i I feel like they were just not super um super like punctuated or like they they didn't really have any like kind of oomph to them um but i think that's not even I, i think the movie maybe was um sort of just like had too much going on maybe that they didn't have like um, enough things for that. and maybe just on a rewatch maybe I'll actually vibe with it a little more um, I think after that would be like the Free Willy one um, I think it's like a very sweet movie you know I'm going to have to donk point um, because it wasn't on the lips so I'm very sorry um, and after that I would put the um, Indecent Proposal kiss uh, I feel like the the gravitas of that whole scene like when she just got back and like especially after like the emotional turmoil that Woody Harrelson's character had been through, like that entire night, I think it just it culminates in this just incredible uh, scene. Um, and then after that, uh, I would say that my best kiss would probably be the kiss at the end of Reality Bites. Um, I think all the other kisses are great, but I think um, that one, like, kind of especially, was just like very, very good. Um, I think it was it was very. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think. It was just, it was, I want to say like it's believable, but they're all pretty believable. I guess it was very, it was the most like impassioned one out of all of them. And the Wayne's World one coming in at a very close second because it is absolutely hysterical. I, I, I watched it again before and just like, I don't know, every joke in that scene landed with me. Um, and I wasn't expecting it to. I was expecting it to, to be kind of like, eh, it's probably not going to be that good of like a scene. It's probably just going to be like really like silly and dumb, but like every joke in that scene landed with me entirely. Good kisses all around this time, though. Yeah, I'll Lucky say definitely guys. for... Yeah, good kisses all around. And this, yeah, this is going to be interesting. So at the bottom, I have Free Willy. You know, as you said, it's not on the lips. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess the real question is, did we want that kiss to be on the lips? Probably not, but... No. But, I don't know. You gotta have art, principles somewhere. Just... Art is about pushing the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then next I had Wayne's World 2, which, you know, again, very funny kiss. Also, just in the context of the larger film, like, I don't think you lose much if you, yeah, had it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then I had Reality Bites. So, again, the last three are all closest. Again, despite not liking Reality Bites as a movie, I thought it was a really good kiss. Like, it's, yeah, it's just a lot of pa- passion there. Then my winner is, I wound up, like, in very close, but going with popular opinion that year and giving it to Indecent Proposal with True Romance at a second. Just, initially I had, like, True Romance at number one, but kind of just re-watching the Indecent Proposal kiss and just the way, like, the the lips it kind of smears. And as much as I don't, did not want her to wind up back with Woody Harrelson, just... There's such a desperation afterwards when it gets back that really kind of struck a chord with me where I'm like, oh, yeah, good kiss, good passion. Like, it's a moment where you're like, hmm, maybe I do want this relationship to work, even if it just goes on to him being like a jealous maniac for the next hour of the film. <laughs> exactly. That brings yeah. us to our very cl- very first, like, disagreement on who should should have won. Yeah, 1994, a, def- a, d- a divisive year. There might be a point where, like, when it comes to this kind of disagreements, where we might have to, like, debate it out more, but I also... Yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm trying to think. I think I could grant... Um, so your your best kiss was Indecent Proposal? Yeah. 
I, you know what? I think I can meet you in the middle and say, or not in the middle, but I think I could, I could definitely agree that if I, if I were to like step out of like my own, like, um, personal biases about like the movies themselves, I think that kiss would probably be the winner in terms of like the kiss itself. I think like taken, I, I think I can grant you that. Um, cause, cause to be honest, like my top three are extremely close. Um, like they're, they're off by like, they're off by like nano kisses. Yeah. One of these days we'll try an episode where maybe we just get into like a shouting match about this and <laughs> and the podcast, restart the podcast, like just make it dramatic. But <laughs> here, because even right. reality bites, I can also like, yeah, respect is like a number one, yeah, kiss. Like, yeah, yeah. Even even if the movie itself is like, I I, I can. Yeah. The thing is that like, I think I absolutely agree with um your like interpretation of the movie. I just think that those things like work with the movie in my mind instead of against it. Um, yeah. It's definitely just yeah, my kind of thing of again, no no grudge against Gen X or that kind of like sensibility, oh, yeah. but just the kind of things of, oh, here's a movie about people who don't really care about any anything just going through their lives and their like, concerns and mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's like a millennial equivalent of this film that I'd like watch that and go, yeah, this is my like truth <laughs> and Exactly. The Gen Gen Z, whatever Gen Z version, yeah. Where they're like, okay, Malooner. There's not really a millennial version of Zoomer or Boomer. Or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. Oh yeah. One last thing we forgot to mention: the MTV like cable channel that and Solar Reset Reality Bites is called In Your Face. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was really interesting. I thought it was MTV when I first um saw it, and I was like, oh, is that why they? Maybe that's why it didn't win. It so, was oh, yeah. Maybe a reason that like this film resonated with you is the cinematography in it. The film was shot by one Emmanuel Lu- yeah, Lubeski, who a very prolific person who did the cinematography for another film we do not agree on, The Cat in the Hat. Oh, that might be it, honestly. <laughs> and he went on to win like three Academy Awards for like cinematography for Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. <laughs> Seems like he does nothing but hits. Sure, nothing but hits. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll never uh, have to talk about Birdman and my similarly finding it insufferable, but. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no. I think that's all I had to say about 1994. Um, yeah. yeah. Very good kisses all around. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Well, oh, yeah. One last thing I want to bring up when getting to the films is Free Willy. In keeping with the tradition of, like, best kiss films getting, like, a best song nomination, Free Willy got best song, but also one best song at the MTV Movie Award for this Michael Jackson oh. song that appears at the end of it. Oh, super neat. So finally, you know, uh, as Kiss Film comes on top in the music department. <laughs> I think you're right. There's not much else to say about 1994. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we can um, end it kind of similarly to the last one. Um, what's your, um, what is a plug of the week for you? If you could plug anything, like any Ooh. movie or something. I mean, yeah, I feel like yeah, already went through this with just yeah, the the works of Tony Scott um yeah. taking a Pelham one two three I'll bring up as a film just just has an insane John Travolta performance. 
<laughs> and it's also just like a train heist movie with Denzel Washington. And yeah. yeah, it's really good. How about you, Ben? What's your plug of the week? Ah, uh, um, I don't have a movie, but um, go play. Um, I can't remember the name. Go play that dodgeball game that just got released on Steam. It's like City Thralls oh, yeah. or something. It's free trial. Go or I guess this, when this comes out, it won't be. Go buy it. It's really good. Oh, yeah. Kick something city, right? Kick back yeah, city. Yeah. Just, no, it's... I'm sure it's very helpful that we didn't either of us know the name. <laughs> Go find it. It's a dodgeball game. It's a dodgeball game that just came out. It's great. It had a it had a trailer at on the on the Nintendo Direct with a bunch of like really, really yeah. fun, fun designed characters that just aren't in the game. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the trailer for it being, like, just very... That's so upsetting, because they could totally just be characters. I don't think that would affect anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely want to check Yeah, check that out. Um, oh, absolutely. It's super fun. Um, yeah. Um, you can find me, uh, Ben Gregg, at my Instagram, which is not underscore two underscore pens, with a number two not written out to, or at my Twitter, um, at but Albi, uh, F-U-T underscore A-L-B-E-E. Cool. Um, yeah, you can find me on yeah, Twitter and Letterboxd at Like a Wolverine. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. Uh, please send us your thoughts on if you agree with our picks, if you disagree. You can also email us at popcorn at gmail.com. Uh, our theme song is by Matt Samard. He's a cool guy. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Eventually he'll have to. I got him never to listen to this episode so he doesn't hear me compliment him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and next week we'll be talking about Best Kiss 1995. For Best Kiss 95, we have Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke before Sunrise, Juliette Lewis and Woody Harrelson, Natural Born Killers. Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves, Speed, Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, True Lies. And the winner for that year was Jim Carrey and Lauren Hawley for Dumb and Dumber. Gonna be a lot of interesting films, some familiar faces, some new faces, some people are gonna pop up a bit. But yeah, you got any final thoughts, Ben? Um, no, this was a good year. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying all these movies. Yeah, no. Uh, other than, other than reality bites ends with um that uh, the you say or is it please stay or stay stay stay. Oh yeah, yeah. that's the one part like, I unequiv- unequivocally like about like reality bites is I love that song and it's yeah. the movie. Yeah, it's a it's a credit song. Yeah, I think that was the last um the last note. I just took a I took a bunch of notes about how weird the, the you're so cool by Hans Zimmer is in um in True Romance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all I love, but also it plays so many times. Yeah, <laughs> and like weird scenes too. Um, yeah, I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Don't forget and... to pass the golden popcorn. Put Skittles in it. Hey, it's my line on a thing. Yeah, <laughs> keep passing that popcorn, and as always, you're so cool. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.